0: Good morning. If you uh, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, please. Am I on? 1 Thessalonians 2. 1 Thessalonians is towards the end of the New Testament, just before 2 Thessalonians. That helps you. Could be helpful. It's after Colossians. um, You know, as I was preparing for this this morning, Mother's Day is a, a, for most of us, probably a great time of remembering um, our mothers. For others, it could be a a hard time. for individuals that, as we honor and talk about our mothers, maybe didn't have a wonderful mother situation. But as as I was thinking about all of it put together, I was thinking about as Jesus was with his disciples in a house and uh, his mother and brothers came looking for him because they thought he'd lost his mind because all these people were flocking around him and, they thought he was just a little bit crazy or lost his mind. And, and some people came to Jesus and said, your, your mother and brothers are looking for you. And Jesus looked around, those sitting around him, and said, these are my mothers and my brothers and my fathers. This is my family. And, and as I was studying, it just impacted me again that, I mean, look around. This is family. Um, Whether you had a great biological family experience or a hard biological family experience, I mean, that is what God is... Actually, could somebody close the back door, please? Um, Not only does it let in flying creatures, it also inhibits the the air conditioning system. and, And we can't afford to heat the shipyard or cool it, either one. Thank you. (laughs) Um, That's what we are. And I was going to, I mean, since we just had a great time walking around, but what I would encourage us, and I was going to have us do this, but I I think I'm not, is, um, is walk around and just say, and maybe we could do this after the service. If you remember, you'll probably forget by then, but just... Walk up to somebody that you haven't talked to, that you haven't met, and just say, welcome to the family. I mean, that's what we are. And when we get that, and as we get that, it'll be increasingly incredible because the person, the individual that comes, um, you know, <clears throat> the Bible says God has put the lonely in family. So whether someone comes lonely or, or just surrounded by friends, we can come together and, and just and be family. Not just today, but throughout the week. And, and that's one of the things I've just loved uh, preparing for this sermon. It's reminded me so much of the family that God has, has made us to be. Um, a couple of days ago, you know, looking at my, my news authority, Google, Google News, um, I saw there was a, a, a new survey that was done On Mother's Day and Father's Day. Um, The survey was that if Mother's Day and Father's Day fell on the same day, uh, where would their adult children choose to go? Um, And 78% of adult children would choose to celebrate mom over dad that doesn't surprise me at all in fact i wouldn't have been surprised if it was ninety (laughs) eight percent seventy eight percent would choose to celebrate mom over dad and the reasons were mom deserves the attention they have more in common with mom maybe spending more time with mom than dad i like the third one it's the least they can do after mom went through nine months of pregnancy and labor (laughs) And the last said, mom is their favorite parent. Um, 90% say the reason that they visit mom on Mother's Day is because they love her and want to spend time with her. Um, probably one of the, the most well-known quotes I've heard it many times is from Abraham Lincoln. Uh, and what he said about his mother, he said, all that I am or hope to be I owe to my angel mother. Rudyard Kipling, in a in a different way, he said God could not be everywhere, and therefore He made mothers. Not very good theology. Um, which made me wonder: since God is everywhere, does that mean we don't need mothers? No, just kidding. That's, that's kind of a bad thing to say on Mother's Day. Um, <laughs> I'm not suggesting that. The, um, but I think my, my favorite last year about this time, Kevin Durant, um, when he received the NBA MVP award and gave a, a, a very moving speech, um, in it he said, as he was speaking to his mother when he received the award, uh, he said, you sacrificed for us. You're the real MVP. Um, when I reached my teen years, which was a few years back, um, I began having horrible, I mean, horrendous pains, abdominal pains, um, for years. It went on for about 10 years. And actually, being the expert medical person that I am, for all 10 of those years, I, mean, I went through a myriad of tests. I went through ten years, very regular, of just horrendous abdominal pain. And the whole time I kept telling the doctors, take out my appendix and the pain will go away, just because I had this innate medical knowledge. And after ten years they took out my appendix and I never had any pain again. But um, but during those ten years, I experienced um, the, the love and the sacrifice of my mother. I mean, most of the, mean some were incredibly hard times. I mean, one, one time we were eating at the Space Needle. We were ready to eat at the Space Needle, and I got these abdominal pains and had to go sit in the car. Um, we didn't eat at the Space Needle every weekend. Um, but for almost weekly, for year after year after year, my mother would spend hours with me during the middle of the night uh, trying to think of every way and that she could help alleviate my pain, but also just to be with me. I mean, one of the hardest times to be sick is right in the middle of the night. And my mom was there with me. I mean, incredible. The sacrifice that she did for me. I'll also admit I'm kind of a baby when it comes to not feeling good. <laughs> but it was nice to have my mom there. Um, you know, I think in the same way, we can tell story after story of how most of us, of how our moms have sacrificed for us, uh, how they've just given of themselves for us. Um, but it's, it's who moms are, right? Um, it's what moms do. It, I think you can, it's, it's what it means to be a mom. The, uh, but what we're going to look at this morning is, to me, because some of you men and single gals have probably begun to check out thinking, this is nice. But it's not for me. I want just, just listen to this. And this is where we're going to go this morning. As we think about the incredible, what it means to be a mom, this is what Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians. And we're going to read the whole thing in a little bit, but I just want you to listen to one phrase right now. In 1 Thessalonians 2.7, Paul says, Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. This is Paul writing to the believers in Thessalonica. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. And what we're going to look at this morning as we think about and we honor our mothers is is this little passage here, which which Paul describes as what should be all of us. As we're called to be ministers, as we're called to be sharers of the good news of Jesus Christ, we're to be like mothers, like Paul says, nursing mothers. In in the way we go about it, the sacrifice, the understanding of what it means to be a mother, that's how we are all to be as the family of God to one another. and so we could say Paul. I mean, we often think of him as evangelist, apostle, pastor. We could say Paul, mom. That's what that's what he was. I'm not confusing gender here, right? We're just that's how he described himself as a mom, and it's what we are called to be. And and what I'd like us to do is just look this morning at this calling of God that He that he puts upon each one of us in, in the way we are to share the gospel and behave towards one another. So really what I'm hoping and if you're in First Thessalonians, I'm going to read it here, is that you would come out of this time with a keener sense of the mom <laughs> that God wants you to be to those around you, whether you're a mother or a father or a single guy or gal, the mom minister that God wants you to be. So let's listen, First Thessalonians chapter two. Paul says, you know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi. And if you remember the story, they were thrown into prison Uh, They were beaten ruthlessly. But with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives. We're not trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God or accepted by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God, who tests our hearts. You know, we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else. Even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. So in these nine verses, there are just three things I'd like us to see that I think Paul communicates to them to to say, to be a, a mom minister... Someone who ministers like a mom is to be clear about three things. And the first is our identity. Our identity. What was the identity of Paul here? Note, the first is it, look at verses 2, 4, 8, and 9. We see the same thing repeated it's the gospel. It, it, his identity was totally surrounded. In, in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ lay Paul's identity, his acceptance with God, who he was. But not, notice, understanding his identity, the difference it made. As we read through again, he says, he says, with the help of God, we dared to tell you his gospel. He understood that who he was, was by the grace of God. He understood that in verse 4, we speak as those approved by God. His approval was from God. His approval didn't come from other people. He didn't wonder and worry about what other people were saying about him or what people were, were thinking about him. He was approved by God. He was accepted by God, and that's all that mattered because he knew that he was entrusted with the gospel, and in the gospel was the good news of who he was or whose he was. And so he wasn't trying to please people, but God. God was his witness. And so it resulted in him kind of ending in verse 7 where he says, we were like young children among you. Paul's identity was so wrapped up and so he was just so simply confident in who he was in Jesus, in the gospel, that he was just like this simple child. (laughs) You know, children are so oblivious to what people are saying about them, aren't they? Young children. (laughs) And and they're they're oblivious to what they're saying, and they say all kinds of cute things, (laughs) sometimes embarrassing things. Paul says, We were just like this, we're just like young children. We are so confident in our approval, in our acceptance with Jesus, that among you, we were just like kids, just like little kids not worrying what you would say, not worrying what you were going to do, just confident and comfortable in who we are in Jesus. Um, and, and the opposite of that is really clear. When they say what, what, where their identity wasn't, notice he says our appeal in uh, verse 3 doesn't come from error or impure motives. We're not trying to trick you. We're not trying to please you. We never used flattery. We didn't put on a mask to cover up greed. We didn't try to use our authority as apostles. Their identity was simply in who they were. So as a result, that identity of whose they were, who they were, could overflow in service to the Thessalonians. I like the, the translation, verse 2 in the, the message translation. Um, says, we were sure of ourselves in God. That's how the translation is. We were sure of ourselves in God. That's, that's a good identity. How, how many of us this morning could say that? We, I am sure of myself in God. So if you go to school or you go to work or, or you're around people and, and, and you hear them talking about you, or you hear people talking about people talking about you. It doesn't shake you because you're sure of yourself and God. Your identity is just wrapped up in who you are and whose you are. Um, to me, that's that's what it means to be a mom. M- moms know who they are. They're moms. Uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, you, I mean, you know the. the the difference happens um, probably a, a lot of times in houses all over the world. I mean, you know, a, a baby has a dirty diaper and, and the mom and the dad, they're both there. And and I mean, typically, what, did, what does the dad do? Well, they pass it off to the mom. You know, I mean, some dads are probably good moms and they don't do that. But because, but, and moms, I mean, they don't say, no way, this is your job. It, moms are moms. They do what it means to be a mom. And so whether that mom is a teacher or a plumber or a doctor, uh, a politician, I mean, it, it doesn't matter because they know who they are. They're moms, first and foremost. Are you sure of yourself in God? It's, this, it's the first thing that we've got to understand if we're going to be like Paul, is nursing mothers, caring for people that God puts in front of us, we've got to know who we are. Do you know who you are and whose you are? Um, one of the most liberating things that ever happened to me was understanding the, the truths that we're going to be talking about in, in the, the, the next six weeks in the class Living Free in Christ. Because I struggled for years being free in Christ and understanding who I was in Christ and not rocked by what other people said or what other people did. And if you don't have that confidence, I would encourage you six weeks to come and just spend the time with us talking about our identity in Christ and, uh, and, and enjoying that and living in that and reveling that. It's the starting point if we're going to be the minister moms that God has called us to be. We've got to be clear about that. The second thing is we've got to be clear about sacrifice. Sacrifice. Not Paul says, as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we care for you. I mean, um, the phrase speaks for itself, doesn't it? Um, I don't have a lot of experience myself as a nursing mother, but uh, but it it kind of epitomizes sacrifice, doesn't it? Although a nursing mother, we would probably never hear or hardly ever hear them talk about it as sacrifice despite its hardship and difficulty being up night after night for months on end. Not just losing sleep and, and being up, but... But giving of yourself in that way to your child, uh, their, their health and their nutrition dependent upon you, um, totally giving of yourself for another individual. I think that's, that's what Paul means. In fact, he goes on to say, um, you know, we were, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. You know, one of the biggest things I think that has hurt the name of Jesus over the years is the perception often that the church is about taking things from people instead of the church, meaning the family of God, existing to pour itself out for people. That's, that's what Paul's talking about here. He says, we were delighted to share with you not just the gospel of God, not just information for you to to listen to and believe and agree to, but our lives as well. I mean, like a nursing mother giving of herself for the good and the well-being of her child, we, the family of God, existing as we understand who we are and whose we are, a clear identity in Jesus that that can overflow and be poured out our very lives for the people around us. So people aren't thinking that we're just trying to get their money or or get their attendance, but but they know that we care about them so much that we would do anything for them because that's the gospel. It's not just about information, it's about family relationship. And so in verse 9 Paul goes on, he says, Surely you remember brothers and sisters our toil and hardship, we worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. And so the Apostle Paul, who through whom God gives us 13 books in the New Testament, enters into a town op- opposed, persecution, I mean, the beatings, the deprivations that he went through, yet he'd go into those towns so clearly understanding he was who he was because of Jesus, that he would go in and he would build tents. He would provide his own way. He would earn his own income while he was proclaiming the gospel so that they wouldn't think that he was coming in to use them or get something from them, but he was coming to pour out not only the gospel but his life for them. Paul learned well from his master, Jesus. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, Jesus, it says, though he was rich, yet for our sakes became poor so that we through his poverty might become rich. Is that how somebody would describe us? That describes a mother. Is that how somebody would describe our relationship with them? The verses were read in Philippians 2, 5 through 9 this morning. I mean, Jesus who emptied himself, emptied himself, humbled himself, became a bond servant, went to the cross. That's 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 Jesus, and that's what he's calling us to be. I think one of my favorite phrases in the Psalms, in the New American Standard Translation, Psalm 18:35, it says. Describing God, you stooped down to make me great. Like that? God stooped down. The creator God of the universe stooped down to make us great. Is our our way of thinking regarding the gospel or ministry or our lives... um, something that we do as long as it's comfortable, as long as it's convenient, or is it like a nursing mother, uh, the way we care for other people? And you know, it never ends uh, for a mother, does it? I, I, I know <laughs> um, as I observe my wife, uh, an amazing mother to my children, our children, um, how for her it's just transitioned to be an amazing grandmother. <laughs> um, and, and it just carries on. And that's the, way it, that's the way God intends for us, is if we understand who we are and what he, the love that he, God so loved the world that then we're able to say, we loved you so much. That's what Paul says about the Thessalonians. And why can he say that? Because he got help. Much God loved him in Jesus so that in the same way he poured out his, his love to others. So the last thing I think we see, and we see at the beginning of chapter 2, Paul says, you know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. Um, so it's clearly understanding our identity clearly understanding the sacrifice and then clearly understanding the success that we hope to see you know i think a a mother that we're describing the sacrifice that a mother does it's the intention isn't that her i'm only going to feel like i was a successful mother if my child becomes the president <laughs> or a millionaire, or important in the eyes of the world? Doesn't a mother love their children and, and pour out their lives for their children just so they can become what God intends for them to become? Uh, so that their heart and their love and their passion would be replicated in their kids. Um, I think that's what we, at the beginning of First Thessalonians chapter 1 Listen to what Paul says about the Thessalonians, and I think it gives us his, what he sees as success. In, in 1 Thessalonians 1, he says, We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And that was success. Um, just one more. In 1 Corinthians, in sorry, in two Corinthians chapter eight, Paul is actually writing to the church at Corinth, but he's describing the Thessalonian believers that he's writing to in in, in one Thessalonians. And I want you to get what Paul says about the Thessalonians in two Corinthians chapter eight. Let's, listen how he describes them. He says, "Now, brothers and sisters." We want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches and the Thessalonians were in Macedonia. He says, I want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches in the midst of, their, in, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Who do you think they learned from? (laughs) They learned from Paul. And Paul's life of understanding who he was, the grace of God in his life, that overflowed in, in amazing sacrifice for them to thrive themselves, understanding who they were in Jesus, they got it. And now we see them, they're examples of the very same thing. They got the grace and in the midst of extreme poverty and extreme persecution, they overflow with joy. and They overflow with generosity. I mean, they got Paul's heart and passion. Question, are, are we replicating Jesus in other people? Um, so why is this important? Well, it, it's important because I see, we see every day through the ministry of the Coffee Oasis. Dozens and dozens and dozens and hundreds of kids, young people that need moms. Their stories about their moms aren't stories like mine of being up with them all night, nursing them through sickness, but, and, but being up all night with guys in and out of the house or drug addicts in and out of the house all night long stories of a mom who sells a refrigerator in order to buy drugs so they don't have any place to keep their food stories of moms who were the first one to teach them how to, how to cook meth stories of physical abuse and sexual abuse of abandonment God has made us to be a family one of, the, one of the songs that I remember, a phrase that goes through my mind, a song I heard years ago, is that God has blessed us to be a blessing. He didn't give some a raw deal to go through life just full of regret and misery and others to be blessed and just live comfy, convenient lives. But he made us to be a family so that those of us who have experienced his love and understand his grace and know who we are in Jesus, that love can overflow and that grace can overflow and that mercy can and will overflow to the multitude in our community, in our neighborhoods, in our schools. and, and They're not all teenagers. Some are in their 20s and 30s. Some are in their 50s that are still feeling lonely and, and need somebody to be a mom to them. Somebody to come alongside them and love them so much that they will not only spout some gospel verses to them, but will pour out their very life. We need moms. I mean we need moms to be in our oasis centers. We need moms to be mentors. And if and if you just woke up, oh, what I'm talking about isn't just biological moms. But single gals and single guys and fathers and mothers, we need moms, individuals who will allow the love and the grace of Jesus to overflow to them to desperately needy individuals that need moms. God has made us, put us in families. This is a family that as we love them and overflow to them, And in the same way, like Paul did to the Thessalonians, the testimony of the Thessalonians would overflow to the the people at Corinth of the amazing moms that they were. Will you be a mom? I mean, as we're here to honor moms this morning, the the challenge, the, the appeal that I give to all of us, every single one of us, is will we be moms? will you be a mom I also just want to end by saying if there's some here this morning that that need a mom we all need we all need a mom but but you didn't have a mom like I had growing up and maybe you're a teenager but maybe you're 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 and and you're You're feeling lonely. You're still feeling rejected or broken. I I appeal to all of us together to reach out to one another. But, but as I shared with a young man in jail about three months ago, as he kind of poured out his story to me, I said, and I didn't use the word mom, but I said, I will be to you a mentor. Now maybe I'll tell him I'll be your mom. That'll. Confuse them a little bit. But if you're here this morning, you know, the church isn't always what it should be, but I'm telling you this morning if you're here this morning and you need a mom, let me or let someone sitting next to you be that mom. Let us together be the family that together understands in a growing way God's incredible love and grace to us in a way that we overflow that increasingly to one another, and then that expands to a community surrounding us that desperately needs moms. Just as I was finishing this sermon up, God convicted me personally about, uh, we have two young guys living in our home right now. But you know, two guys living in our house doesn't mean two guys that are, from me, experiencing a home. And it was almost, for me, thinking that by, again, we've had lots of people live with us, and and I've been challenged that sometimes they live with us and they're living in a house, but what they need to be living in is a home. Um, would we provide that? Our homes, our lives. Let's give our lives for people that need moms. Let's pray. God, what an incredible... What an incredible love you have loved us with! You loved us so much. You sent your Son, and and Jesus, you came, and you just humbled yourself, and 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 you gave up all the glory and all the splendor, and you gave it all up just for us to love us back to you. Jesus, I pray that you would through your spirit this morning just stir our hearts awaken our hearts afresh with your love for us that, that, that we would just be compelled to love one another others that so desperately need to not just hear about it but to experience it as we as we give them our very lives in Jesus name amen